Good day, good friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you to a Cisco Champion Unfiltered episode, a Cisco Champion radio spinoff series that gives our champions a platform to have casual conversations around a variety of topics focused on technology, career, and other interesting stuff. We have a favor to ask you. If you like our podcast, subscribe wherever you're listening to us and share your favorite episodes with your friends, please. Okay, today we are on number three of a three-part Cisco Champion Unfiltered series focused on career. In our first episode, we talked about just starting off in IT. In our second episode, we talked about how to level up in your career. And in this last and final episode, we are going to talk about getting to that expert level and what that means. As usual, you're going to get some really great insights and practical advice from Cisco Champions. And just to bring you up to speed, Cisco champions are established technology professionals who are not only super engaged with Cisco, but with their peers as well. Okay, we're going to get to our round of introductions. Uh, Brad, we are going to start with you. Who are you? What do you do? Yeah, hello, everybody. It's Brad Haynes. I live just outside of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I've been in IT for, I'll say, 25 plus years. Um... My first job was a Fortran COBOL programmer way back in the days if people remember those type of uh, programming languages. Uh, originally got introduced to Cisco a couple of decades ago when all they had was an AGS and an IGS. And as you can see, their their product portfolio has grown since two products. Uh, from Just a there. little bit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so what uh, what we did with those two AGS and IGS, we, we networked the Ontario government together with about a thousand of these devices and had them all interconnected with X25. So it kind of dates when it was. And uh, at the time, there was only one Cisco engineer for all of um, Cisco Canada. And I worked for a couple of channel partners. And right now I work for a learning training company of which we are a Cisco authorized platinum learning partner. Amazing. All right, Darren, you're up next. Hi, uh, yeah, my name's uh, Darren Falwell. I'm, well, um, I, I, I'd i like to say that I'm as experienced as Brad. Tough act to follow. Not, not quite, <laughs> not quite. That, that's that's quite a story. Um, also been in networking probably 20 <laughs> years, mm-hmm. um, but gone through the, the gamut of enterprise, and, uh, network engineer, architect, designer, blah, blah, blah. Um, to to do what I'm doing today, which actually is is a bit of a departure. I'm a I'm a actually a, a product evangelist for a software company that do network management stuff. But uh, I just like saying the word evangelist because it sounds such a cool job title. It so, does. It uh, sounds like a fun gig. It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> it's very good fun. All right, Evan, my friend. Hi, Emily. Yeah, so my name is Evan Mincer. Um, I think I'm also at the 25 plus for the career. Uh, so, so I'm I'm up there as well. Uh, yeah, the hair shows it too. But uh, yeah, so my current title is information security manager. I work for a healthcare provider, uh, services provider in the Philadelphia region in Pennsylvania. Um, I've gone up through the networking realm, you know, architect and engineer and all that fun stuff for quite some time. Oh, and I can be found on Twitter, at Evan Mincer. Evan, your hair looks it, but your face doesn't. Well, the beard's not there, so. <laughs> yeah. All right, who's up next? Peter, tell us about yourself. Hey, everybody. I'm Peter Spirinus, um, senior network engineer for a small MSP just outside the Philadelphia area. Um, 
work with a lot of clients in law um, law firms, uh, medical providers, uh, some government agencies and whatnot. Um, don't have the experience in IT as the rest of these guys, um, but I do have a, a my background is in automotive. I worked as a mechanic for almost 20 years before switching to IT. Um, was able to bring a lot of life skills and lessons learned there into the IT field um, to make me a better troubleshooter and you know, help me along the, the, the quick progression from uh, an intern at Cisco to being a senior engineer working, you know, <clears throat> developing projects and solutions for clients. Amazing. All right. Well, we're happy to have you. And Zoe, saving the best for last. Who are you? I don't know if that's true, but uh, I'm Zoe Rose. Uh, I'm uh, RoseSecOps on Twitter. And yes, now I I would say I've got a few years to catch up with everybody else. Uh, I think I'm more of the junior one here, (laughs) age-wise. But uh, yeah, I think, what do I do? Uh, I do security, uh, information security at Canon EMEA. So... I work a lot. I'm that annoying person that says, yeah, I know you want to do that, but, uh, you know, policies and security and all that bleh stuff. All right. Okay, Evan, this is the last episode in our trilogy. So again, we've covered early in career. We've covered transitioning from early in career. And today we're going to be talking about reaching the expert level. Where did this all start? How did this all come to be? Yeah, so so as I said, I'm older. I have a son who's uh, he's turning 23 this year, Dylan. He's graduating from college with Yay. an IT degree. Yeah, which is great. And and he's at that point of getting his first job. And I, and I kind of thought about the question of, and I've seen this also on online too, a lot of people asking, how do I break into IT? And then the thought of, you know, how do I progress in IT? How, you know, Cisco champion, how do I become a champion? How do I become that expert? And, and I think it became a really good topic. And and the interesting thing is when we talked about it, we determined there's a lot of a lot of champions that wanted to have this conversation. So we broke it up into into three parts. Uh, the first part was great talking about you know how do you break in. The second part was how, how do you kind of where do you go once you break in and and where do you go from there. And then this one's a really good topic. It's it's you know talking about being an expert. Um, but before we talk about being an expert, let's, what is an expert? Darren, I, I got to ask you, what do you think an, being an expert means? See, 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 you're almost better asking the question, what isn't it, right? Because, because when you talk to, to people who've been around in Cisco land for, for a while, there's this, this mapping, I suppose, onto the certification path of, of saying, right, as, an expert is a CCIE or whatever. And, and I don't think that's a good enough explanation, really. I think for, for, when I've talked about this before, the word expert obviously comes from the same, it's derived from the same word as experience, right? It's, it's about, for me, having someone who's reached a certain point in their career where they have a, a level of experience and, and not necessarily deep technical experience but technical but experience that that's relevant to what they're doing in order to be able to to share that with people to to be able to contribute to the development of of theory and practice in a particular area to be able to to bring people along with them and 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 make a difference and make a, a change and i think it, it's a really difficult thing to put your finger on isn't it i mean it's 
you should know as well as anyone Evan that that you know you because you'll get called expert all the time I'm sure and and it's like well what do you think it is yeah and I don't think it has anything to do with time either you know it you could be in this industry for 20 30 years and not be an expert or, or the flip side and Peter you're probably a good one at this you can be in this industry for a shorter time and still be labeled an expert Peter what do you think about the expert title yeah I mean it's <laughs> it's, it's very broad I mean you know it in my word, you know, I am in my position. I am called upon as the expert for networking for my company, and I have peers, you know, that are have been doing this much longer than me. I, I think maybe attention to detail that's that's brought into it, being able to go above and beyond to uh, find out why something's happening or to understand how something works. You know, it's it's not only being you know being in the technology, but you got to have the want to grow and to understand the technology, break it, figure out how what you do while you broke it to make it, you know, break, and how do you fix that? Like it's there's more to it than doing it for so long. Zoe, you want to add on to that? Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that um, from what comes to mind for me is, as I said, I'm a little bit more junior than the rest of us in this call, uh, and I think. When I've been called an expert in the past, I've always laughed it off and said, <laughs> they clearly don't know what they're talking about because I'm not an expert. But I think it's along the lines of knowing how to connect the dots. So especially in security, it's a very broad career. Um, there's a lot of areas and I don't know them all in depth. I just It's just not feasible for me to. But I do know who to talk to in you know, this area or that area. And I know that when I'm deploying this solution or these are the considerations to have, I maybe not have, I don't necessarily have all the insights in depth, but at least I know where the dots are, you know, where to connect them and who to connect with. So a lot of times I'm an expert in one area, but I'm considered this expert because I can connect things. Kind of kind of down to the approach then, rather than necessarily down to that that in-depth knowledge of a particular subject is what you're saying yeah I feel like that to me makes more sense I mean you have to have knowledge I mean you do have to have some knowledge or your, your area but when it comes to what I do well it's not well I know this specific technology through and through I do know it but I also know where it ties into the different areas yeah, so it's having that that base knowledge of what's out there. It may not be that you know everything about a topic, but at least you know how to figure it out. And and I think especially with Peter, uh, that bit of pulling in other experiences, which I'm sure you will touch on later. But it, it's just really impressive where you can pull in for all these different experiences outside of your area as well. Yeah, Brad, I want to bring you into this and and talking about expert and. You know, what are tips you, you've had this long career and, and you've done, as you said, you did a lot of different things. What does it mean? I guess, you know, what, what um, tips for becoming an expert? I think the first thing is def defining what an expert is. And I don't think if you ask two people, you're going to get three different answers. That makes sense. Um, I think the, the industry itself and across industries, they say an expert is someone who spends all of their waking hours every day in an area for five years and that labels them as an expert. So that's one thing. Um, when I'm in, in my role as, as, as part of a learning company, I actually help put together um, 
job roles and, and frameworks and that type of thing. And what we logically do is, is we go through three layers. Uh, the first layer is the introduction part of things. The second is what I call the practitioner. And then we have the expert level. So the expert part of it is going from practitioner to the expert level and it's what skill sets you need uh, to be able to go there. A lot of it I find now is the experiential learning. So the hands-on part of this to go from practitioner to expert. Yeah. So, so Peter, Peter, do you have any tips on becoming an expert? Uh, yeah. I mean, just be, be willing to always learn, be willing to be that person that's able to jump in and, and uh, you know, I can't find it. Say that you can, you know, you'll, you'll take on these tasks. And, and Peter, I got to, you know, acknowledge that or, or concur with that. You know, experts, it's, it's that sliding window, like being an expert in X25. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, we don't use that anymore. So we, it, we're in an industry that we have a lot of acronyms that we use, probably more than medical. Um, and, and it's a matter of finding out what the day-to-day -day, uh, transitions of the technology is doing and just staying on that leading, leading edge of these technologies. I remember when uh, Ethernet first came out, I thought it was like the cat's meow. Uh, I remember holding on to a three and a half inch floppy with Mozilla 0.9 thinking, telling my children, this is going to change the world. Brad, you are definitely aging yourself with those. I mean, I, I do remember Ethernet, but uh, you're holding that, that. I'm glad you didn't say eight inch floppy, by the way. Can I take a quick squirrel moment? Uh, I had a, a managed a VAX 11780 and we had to boot it with an eight inch floppy. No, you, you're beating me all over the place here, Brad. But five and a quarter is was where I started. So uh, yeah, you got me there. But but it's it's basically um, making sure that you know that expert is is a term, and I think individuals uh, define the word expert themselves. Um, and it's just it's it's just having um, the, the the personal feeling to know that there's a lot of questions you have to be you have to be tenacious. Uh, you have to continue the learning cycle. Yeah, the learning is really important, and I think also um, having getting more of a holistic view of of technology, not just you know, I, I can type on a keyboard and get stuff done, but understanding the technology. Would you think it's a fair assessment to say that becoming an expert means that you're moving from being reactive to proactive? Yeah, that's that's nice. I, just I was just everything we've tried to say I was going to say that when you, when when I did my CCIE all those years ago, they, they always used to say that you've reached that point where you you on that day you've reached a level of 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 technical capability to pass this expert exam, and that's great. But all you really find out is just how much you don't actually know because you you know this this one thing really really deep, but there's so much more that you don't know, and that's when when the realization hits, and you really go into that just mentioned that that sort of lifelong learning thing of of, of going right. Well, I'm just going to have to go and and broaden my my knowledge and my experience, and that for me has been the definition, I suppose, of of reaching that stage, has been that fact that. I've got to go um, and be inquisitive and go find things and, and learn learn the broader picture. Yeah, being being an expert is not necessarily knowing everything, but maybe no. being inquisitive, knowing where to go to get answers, uh, who to talk to. Zoe, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I was going to say all the people that I've really looked up to um, are not the people, I mean, I am sure it's, I, I heard that laugh there, <laughs> but uh, the people I've been inspired by um, were the people that were willing to say, 
I don't know enough on this topic. I need to go and learn more. Or I don't know enough on this topic. These are the people that I want to bring in. They're the ones that are confident enough in themselves in their career to say, actually, this is not my area of expertise, like of knowledge. And I'm, I've got that overall, overall view, like you said, uh, with Evan was the holistic view. So I know where it connects, but I don't have the in-depth. So I'm going to bring somebody else in. And I think for me, maybe that's more of a, a leader versus somebody that just does stuff. But I think that also is important when it comes to being an expert is being willing to know your limits, essentially. Yeah, and you hit on a point where I guess the expert realizes there's more they don't know than what they Well, it brings me to that, the, my favorite graph that I like to bring up all the time when I try to make people laugh or comfortable when I'm starting training is uh, that graph of... Um, your knowledge over your experience and how it goes from nothing and your learning and then all of a sudden crashes down horribly and then comes up slightly. And I always make the joke that I'm experienced enough to know I know absolutely nothing in the broad, I guess, view of things. And I guess an expert is comfortable knowing that. So another thing, though, is, is we think about the motivation of why we do what we do. I mean, you know, it's not just a financial thing. It, it's, you know, Darren, you love being called the evangelist, and, and Peter, you decided to go into IT from working in the cars. You know what other what what else motivates you to go from being a beginner person to being an expert? Peter, go ahead with that one. Uh, for for me, it's it's the thirst for knowledge. I think you know I, I've always been you know even going back to being a kid, I've always been the one to take stuff apart, find out how it works, hopefully put it back together right now, have no parts left over. Um, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's been you know. I, I don't I've never seen myself as an expert and I've never thought of myself as an expert in any in anything that I've done because I'm always trying to learn to be better. I think a good example is I'm currently starting on my CCIE journey and just going over the beginnings of this has made me realize that I don't know nothing and I really need to go back to the basics because a lot of this stuff we don't see in the day to day. And, you know, as you become an expert, as you, you know, a so-called expert in your field, you know, what are you touching? What technologies are you working with? You know. I work, you know, unfortunately right now I'm working with a very small set of technologies. Yes, they're they're easy to deploy and I you know, but when you get into the most more advanced stuff, you know, I don't touch MPL like say MPLS for instance, I don't touch that. I haven't touched it in years. I have the book right here behind me, you know, I have to you know, it's you know, it's it's I think it's like a mindset, you know, as you're going through this stuff and and the thirst for knowledge. It's, it's, it's a humility, right? And and that, that thing of being able to accept that there's there's more to always more to learn and always more places to go. I mean you you talked there about about embarking on the CCIE journey. But of course the CCIE is someone else's definition of, of expert for the for the purposes exactly. of certification. You're still an expert because you know what you do better than than, than anyone else. But that's the point, isn't it? It's it's about being able to to accept that that you you are what you are, not push it down and 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 push it outwards. But then when people do come to you, give them the help they need and be humble and 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 help. I mean that for, for me, I see this is how I've chosen to use that. I suppose is is in the mentoring side of things and in the and the, the helping hand side of things because that's super important that you that you share that knowledge and that experience because i've i've worked with a few a few people who 
they can't have the experience themselves because they've not been in the industry long enough. So why not let them borrow mine? You know, and and I can hand that over to them and say, look, from my experience, this, 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 and that helps them move and progress on towards reaching that same level. And that, for me, is 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 super important. Yeah, b- being able to teach someone else also shows that you know that topic. Zoe, did you want to uh, you want to add on to that? Yeah, well, I think uh, talking about motivations and then talking about um, mentoring and that, I think the reason I got into my career as I am now in security uh, was I needed somebody 10 years ago and I didn't have them. I, I was in a very unsafe environment and I needed help to protect myself. And so I went into, well, I started IT, then I went into network management, and then I went into security. And that whole transition was me discovering information so that I could share it on. And the the stuff that I learn are what can I do so that if it's uh, building a solution, what can I do so that it doesn't negatively impact my consumers? If it's testing a solution, it's what can I do to ensure that I'm mimicking a bad person and that person would then not succeed you know it's always how can I protect the people that need protection and mentoring on that side is my goal is always to build somebody not build someone but to support somebody to become better than I am you know it's always to uplift another person versus you know I I want somebody to be more impressive than me it sounds a bit like parenthood right yeah exactly (laughs) and I think that's a huge thing too to say that I've, I've trained these other people and, and they're so much better. And I don't you know, Brad, you work for a training company. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah. And I think I'm seeing a, a trend from uh, what Peter Zoe and, and Darren are seeing, where is we're, we're using the opportunity of our past experience to, to train other people and advise them uh, in a training environment. Uh, that's what I do day to day. But what I'm also finding is that, you know, things like the uh, Cisco Networking Academy, I actually brought that into our local school board when my children were going through junior high school. Um, found it very rewarding. And it's, it's I think, if we get to call it the expert level, and again, the fine expert, I, I don't have a definitive answer for that. But it's where we've, you know, hit some roadblocks, we've made mistakes, that type of thing. We've seen technology uh, with the experience. We understand where the uh, where you are as a leading adopter, uh, you look at trends and then you're advising people. Uh, what I find you know, later on in the career that uh, I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of sharing my experience with others and then guiding them through on, that, on, on a path. That, that's something that I, that I get with the experts is that it, it not only is it kind of that understanding and, and realization that you don't know things, but it's also being able to share the knowledge that you do have. Zoe, I'm sorry, I cut you off. I know you wanted to get in there. No, I was just going to say that bringing up Nessacad has made me smile because I literally just tweeted the other day um, my acceptance letter to Nessacad's uh, dream team for Cisco Live in 2015. It, it, it was just a, a reminder of um, that's where I kind of started my international journey um, coming from Canada, which you can tell by my voice, uh, and then joining in America and then moving over to Europe was all started by Nessacad actually. And, and so if we could have a squirrel moment here, if I may, um, when I brought Net Academy into the local high school program, um, I I shouldn't say I forced my daughter to do it. And my daughter was one who wears black until something darker comes out type of attitude. And she was not an IT person, but I made her 
go through that course. She actually did like it um, and then uh, ended up in the IT industry uh, for a while and kind of got out and is now into data analytics. So I, I, I kind of think it helped. My, my daughter, I would say my daughter, Liz, would probably love to do that. She's, she's still a little young. She's 15 and just going into high school. So, but, but that might be something that she'd really be interested in. And I know like, like Zoe's path, uh, not the bad part, but like going to Netacad and then learning all that stuff and, and would probably be great. It's a great way to go for people to, to, to understand um, some of the topics out there. A hundred percent. hundred percent. And I got the my set there. structured is. And, and what I found with, uh, when I recommend to, um, job roles and past, and this is in almost any IT industry, is you have to have a good root or nucleus in networking. Uh, and so I guess if you can speak to the fact that uh, in the security side, uh, if you're penetration tester, that kind of, you're, you have to know your IP package. You have to know how networks work um, to be able to be successful in a lot of these other IT organizations, IT uh, you know, careers. I mean, it depends on your path for sure. In security, it's not going to hurt knowing how the network works at all. It's not going to hurt. Um, my day to day, I don't know. I don't necessarily have the in depth work that I used to have with networks, but um, knowing what it is in the foundations is a huge benefit. Um, and I think that goes towards as you advance in your career, which I think we chatted about briefly together before this call was as you advance your careers, you do. There are certain places where you have to almost take an emotional step back for me it was emotional being I'm so used to being super hands-on you know getting the nitty-gritty and getting to play with all of these toys to now where I'm not I don't get that experience as much I do have to do some things or I do get to actually I enjoy it so I do get to do some things but it was almost an emotional acknowledgement that oh I've got to be less hands-on now and and seeing the benefits some people stay very, very hands-on into their late career. But the number of those positions I've, I've seen in my experience are not as, there's not as many for the hands, severely technical hands-on and the much more senior. Uh, as you get in more senior, there's a lot more management positions and a lot more people. But this is where the breadth thing comes in that you were talking about before, right? It's about being able to bring the breadth of your experiences into what you're doing at that point. And so, so just going back to to some of the, uh, the the certification stuff we were talking about before, the CCDE. Now, I don't know if if anyone's gone through this process uh, as yet. The design expert actually is much more like that it's much broader focus across a whole range of different technology areas through right out to into the server space through into cloud and and so on and and it's all about being able to apply that on the basis of you having the understanding to a certain technical depth but you don't have to have the the gory detail of how to configure every single last thing and but it's still an expert level certification and it's still requires the experience and the knowledge and and whatever in order to 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 uh to to get to that level and i think that's that's super important is that that where you may not have the depth that you you once had you'll have a have a breadth that you you could never have thought of before and all of those things that you did in the past will all play into whatever it is you're doing at that moment in time there's no question of that you'll bring all of those things with you and Zoe, just uh, 
uh, Zora, I was going to say, just building on your, your comments where you're kind of stop talking about going from what I call the practitioner into the management area. And, and yes, you can be an expert at the practitioner level. You can also be an expert at the management level. Um, and what I find the delineation there is how much hands-on you have um, once you go up the ranks into the management roles. Uh, but definitely you can be a, a, an expert at practitioner level. Yeah, a lot, a lot of times as you go up, it uh, you get less hands-on. It still happens. I mean, you know, I'm 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 a manager in my role, but I still have to get hands-on with with things. But yeah, not as much as some of the other people. Um, so one, one I want to kind of change the topic slightly here because one of the things we keep talking about, and I keep hearing even just from from this group, uh, we talk about words imposter syndrome. You know, oh, I'm not a, I'm not an expert. Yeah. So so. Let's talk a little bit. So first of all, let's define imposter syndrome. And I see Zoe's wonderful smile there. And I know she, she's dealt with this too. Zoe, what is imposter syndrome? I'm really terrible at defining things. So I don't know why you asked me. But I, I, I view imposter syndrome as feeling like I'm not enough. You know, this call is a great example. You guys are all bloody experts. You've been working as long as I've been alive. And uh, clearly I'm not good enough. But um, it's it's having the knowledge, but feeling like you don't know enough. You know, it's, it's, it's viewing your knowledge as so minimal compared to what everybody else knows. That's a really rubbish example, but... Let's see. Let's see if Brad has a better, uh, better version. And, and and again, I I actually had to look that up because I I realized that I was That's feeling cheating. a number <laughs> of times. So imposter syndrome is it's basically where you feel like a fraud, even though you have an abundance evidence of your success. Uh, and I just got a couple of examples that that I have when uh, I feel the imposter syndrome. Uh, when when I'm joining a meeting and the account exec introduces me as the guru or the expert. I kind of cringe a little bit uh, when I'm approached as a, a SME, a subject matter expert, and I for a task or recommendation. So my initial thoughts are like, there's many others with more experience in this specific field. So I know, uh, I know there's way more to learn, um, and I have so many questions to ask, and I have so many unanswered questions that are out there. And, and so my way of handling uh, imposter syndrome, so a couple of things, is one is, is um, I looked at and there's the research says is about 25 to 30% of high achievers suffer from this imposter syndrome. Uh, there's about about 70% of the adults experience it at least once in, in their lifetime. So what I, I do is I, I understand that truly intelligent people are aware of how much they don't know. That's number one. Uh, and... and Theoretically speaking, everyone arrives with their own personal experience or story. We, we tend to compare chapters of our books with chapters of other people's books. And, and it doesn't make one book more intrinsically valuable than another book. And, and the last thing I, I like to say on this is be kind to yourself uh, and, and be kind to a self in a way that you are kind to your coworkers. I love that. That That's exactly the approach I take, especially with them when I do mentoring of people from um, – minority groups like women people of color so and so when they they feel like they're not good enough i always say okay pretend you're talking about me or pretend you're talking about your friend who you are impressed with and say all the things that you've done but thinking that it's somebody else and actually that's that for me that's really helpful things that help me is literally writing my cv 
It's pretending I'm somebody else, seeing my achievements, and then saying, actually, that's kind of cool. That That's really good. Peter, do you have any thoughts on how to deal with imposter syndrome? Uh, how to deal with it? I mean, I, I, you know, dealing with it right now in this room, you know, I deal with it on Aww. a re- <laughs> regular basis here, here recently, as like I said, as I'm, you know, expanding my knowledge and, and trying to take on, you know, uh, uh, bigger tasks and projects. But no, it, you know, ever since going back to, you know, being in IT, I, I think I've somewhat experienced this being um, coming into it late in career. You know, when I started as an intern at Cisco, I was in my late 30s. You know, and everybody I was interning with was, you know, their uh, juniors and seniors at uh, college. You know, so we're talking 20, 21, 22 year olds. Like, you guys have all this time to do what you need to do to build your career. And I felt like to, to grow my career, I have less time and I have to be more proactive. Um, but once again, that, that brings in that imposter syndrome because as I'm learning and, 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 and you know, learning new technologies and trying to apply new technologies, you don't always get in, you know, you always get a chance to apply what you're learning because you don't might not encounter the technology. So it's like, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I deal with daily. You know, I feel like. Do you think that we experience imposter syndrome because we have this, such a huge fear of failure? I mean, oh, you, yeah. you know, like, I, and I think that's part of it, you know, I truly believe that we're all overachievers and that's why we're so hard on ourselves. Um, and we expect ourselves to get things done right the first time around. Um, you know, and to your point, Zoe, like if we start looking at ourselves like we're somebody else, we can become more forgiving in how we approach things. You know, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like a kind of peer pressure thing though, isn't it? That, that, on ourselves. That's almost like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> well, no, but it's almost like you think that everyone else is like that. So you need to be like that as well. And yet yeah. we're all the same sort of uh, suffering from this imposter syndrome. Uh, Pete, what you just said is exactly how I feel. I walk into any physical room or or virtual room and, and I should be, I should be old enough and, and wise enough to know better, but I'm not. I'm just the same as everybody else. And and I'm I I'm petrified. I'm supposed to be don't tell anyone about this, right? But I'm supposed to be an evangelist. I'm supposed to get up on stage. I'm supposed to do these talks and do all this stuff. And half the time, I'm just, I'm, I, I, I'm not worthy to be in a room with all these people. And that's what's going through my head. And so you have to, you almost just have to throw yourself into, into it and just do it. In, it and, and like you say, almost project that, that you're someone else doing that. Or you're doing it in front of one person. Or, or you're just, or, or you're, you're in a friendly environment and therefore you, you can you feel you can you can express yourself the way you need to. And I think this is where something like the champs has been great for me, because here I am in a group of people who are all experts in their own their own way. And to be able to, to go into a, a scenario where I can have that conversation and be prepared to be shot down because, you know, there are people who know better but everyone's gentle about it and nice about it. it makes it so much easier right and and then gradually build confidence in the approach that you're taking to to move it on doing all the video stuff that that I've been lucky enough to do over the last couple of years has been similar because some of the comments you should have seen back from from on YouTube and stuff you've got to grow grow a bit of a thick you know thick skin to it but it's but it's really useful because it you learn to deal with it, I guess, through through experience. Zoe, you've done a whole load of 
sort of public speaking and stuff, right? So so you must have gone through a lot of that. Yeah, um, one point of advice, never read the comments, ever. They're the worst. <laughs> but um, what I do when it comes to public speaking is I... I always question my capabilities and I always question my knowledge, especially when I'm going to speak at conferences where I know the people in the audience are so bloody impressive. Um, and I always am like, oh, what I'm saying is just not good enough. But I actually practice a couple of things. Um, I uh, I saw a TED talk a while ago uh, talking about how your body um, your body language actually affects your confidence. So it's that, that comment of doing the Superman pose yeah. beforehand. Um, I do that. Hundred percent, I do, um, because I am quite a. I, I'm actually a very shy person. Nobody believes me, but I'm actually very shy, um, and I have very low confidence sometimes. Um, and so that helps. Um, and also, as I said, you know, pretending to that I'm thinking of somebody else helps me. Um, but I, I was raised um, in a way that always looked at mistakes being bad. And they're detrimental and that you cannot make mistakes. That's a bad thing. And so it took me a long time to rewire my thoughts of mistakes are actually showing your growth and mistakes are actually beneficial. Um, and so when I present and I make a mistake, I even a small mistake, I know it because I know what I'm supposed to be presenting. And I think it's the end of the world. And at the end of the talk, I'm like, oh, that was so rubbish. And then people, as you mentioned earlier, in the audience, when they come up to you and say, oh, you know, that was really helpful. That is like gold to me. It is the greatest feeling when I know that I've made a difference for somebody else. And it that's the only thing that really helps. With the, so, so, Zoe, before we, before we sign off, I, I want to, do you have a, a specific example of where that imposter syndrome hit and you dealt with it, but you realized no big deal. Um, my example, I think that would have to be, uh, I have many examples, but um, well, one, for one. Big, one big <laughs> example was I was going to audit a third party for a company when I was doing consulting years ago. And I walked into the room thinking, oh, I know absolutely nothing. Everybody in this room is very intelligent. I was the sole auditor and it was a room full of older men, um, older white men (laughs) that had been in their career for a while. Uh, And I noticed that my lack of confidence coming in had them talking down to me and I got quite upset. Uh, and so I said, you know what? This isn't going to work. I'm going to start this meeting over and talk about this is my experience. And when I changed that, I realized that my confidence and my body language changed. Um, and it was like I had to actually say how how much I do know. You know, this is my experience. And actually, the end of that meeting was very positive. Um, not so much for the people I was auditing, but positive in the sense that I had the confidence that I didn't come into the room with. Um, I made a big difference and I was very proud of the work I did. That's awesome. As, as a woman, thank you for that. That's We, we love that story. <laughs> P- Peter, what about you? What, what's your, your, your example? Um, just being, you know, sort of like Zoe, the, the getting brought into uh, a um, an outage, you know, it's a network problem. You know, you, you, you're the guy who knows it all. You know, what's going on here? Why is this broken? You, you know, you're, you're with the CEO, the CFO, you know, all, all the, all the C-suite uh, people of the company you're supporting and, and you're supposed to go in there. And it's like, you know, 
Well, I, you know, you're not giving much information going into it. You just know you've got an outage. You got to start giving, digging in and giving answers. And those situations there is where I really, you know, I, I get overwhelmed sometimes, you know, very overwhelmed with trying to obtain information quickly, effectively, and being able to to get down to a problem and, and hopefully find a solution. Um, you know, and there, you know, sometimes, um, you know, it, unfortunately being berated by these clients about how we're not, you know, we're not doing a good job. We don't know what we're doing. You know, why are these people here? You know, and th- that's really when it sets in, you know, but I just, you know, I try to get everybody else out of the room, out of my mind. And I try to dig into the technology and do, do my work and get in the zone. And that's where I, you know, I start finding, you know, the, the problem I start, you know, picking up on, on, you know, where traffic's being affected and stuff like that and be able to make, you know, small changes and see improvements until, you know, everything's back up. And then, you know, being able to, to translate that into a, uh, you know, a report, you know, for the outage and, and, and proving that, you know, I, I do know, you know, what I'm doing and, you know, to that effect. Yeah. It's, it's a fear that you're going in these meetings and these senior leaders are going to see you as, you know, why is this guy here? Brad, what about you? What's your example? A quick example. I had a, a public speaking engagement that we had um, uh, for an IT conference in, in Toronto. It was on big data. And it was part of um, a vendor um, you know, program that we had, and we were sponsoring it. And I thought, okay, I know I'm not certified in big data. I haven't got a lot of experience in it. And how am I going to put this together? So I, I had the talk. You know, I wish I would have known about the Superman pose. I was nervous as heck and uh, had had the chat. I thought it went pretty well. And I went back to the, the vendor booth. Whatever. And there, then I know there's about six or eight people coming back to the booth. I think, what's going on here? It was a bunch of people in the last uh, year of university. And there were actually, we had about a 40 minute conversation of, you know, what they're taking now, where they should go. And, 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 and I found it very relaxing. And then I'm thinking, these people are looking up to me to give them some recommendations. And uh, I thought, maybe I didn't do too bad uh, for the talk. And uh, and they thanked me for it, and it, it was all good. And uh, I felt had a good day that day. That that does sound like th- that's a good feeling. Darren, I'll I'll reach out to you. What what's your example, <laughs> Mister well, Evangelist? Actually, Evan, uh, you know all about this one because you were there. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, Evan knows exactly what I'm talking about. I I did um, when I, in one of my first roles as as a an evangelist, I actually had to present at Tech Field Day, um, and that is probably one of the hardest things you would have to do as a techie because you're you're in front of an, a known established panel of experts. That's the whole point. Um, so to be able to then reach into your experience and and try and and put over um, uh, you know technical technical information in a way that that uh, will be responded to well by a technical audience of that level is is really really tough. And uh, yeah, no, there was no Superman pose for me. There was there was nothing. It was it was like this over a um over a zoom call um i didn't i could i didn't even have the the comfort of my nice office in the background or anything i had to do it in front of a white sheet um there were there was no no escape um but you know what um as soon as you get to a point where you start having a conversation and being able to relate to the people in the room things change and and all of a sudden you're you know you get asked the right question 
in a very sympathetic way by by someone who can clearly see the nerves coming at you from from the other side and then it becomes a, a two-way conversation and and uh, the confidence grows because you realize that you're you are the expert in the thing that you're talking about that's the point you wouldn't be doing it if you weren't you wouldn't be put in that position and that the people you're talking to actually want to know about the thing you're you're speaking about so to, to brad to, to to sort of mirrors your experience i suppose in a way because what you've got there is a group of people who you don't know that they're interested but when they do uh, you find out they're interested and whatever it changes the the dynamic completely and uh yeah, I think, I mean, I did a follow-up um, not so long um, after um, and it was a completely different experience because, again, um, I was able to, to lean on what had gone before, address things in a, in, a, in a more conversational way and it's a whole load simpler then because you're you're dealing with people on a level rather than, than, <laughs> rather than trying to project up to all these, these, these people on, on a, a pedestal. You're, you're sort of talking at, trying to talk at the same level it's a different different experience yeah and see darren i was having an elf moment i'm going like oh my gosh it's darren i know him it was it was it was funny because there were so many people that i was aware of i, I think it was ha- it was half champs at, at that point so you all yeah, knew yeah, us yeah, and, yeah. and which might be worse that you all knew us well I, knew I, maybe it was maybe it was maybe it was that thing of God, I've been faking it all these years and now they're going to find out. You know, maybe, well, maybe it, that's it, what it was. So it's funny for me. Um, I, I think about actually joining the Champs program and, and I was told, I actually joined a year later than I should have because you know, someone came up to me in the program and was like, you should join. Why aren't, why aren't you joining? And I'm like, I'm not these people. And, and I waited and the following year, she said to me the same thing of like, you should join. So I'm like, okay, I'll try. I won't get in and, and, and I'm in. And then, you know, knowing all the Cisco champions, it it, it feels like a home, a uh, wonderful group of people. And, and I would say we're all experts in our own way when you look at it. Um, but hopefully this helps. Emily, you know, you never have imposter syndrome, do you? Oh, yeah. I find it amazing that you guys do, though. It, it, it actually joking? is. It makes me feel better because I'm always the least technical person in the room, especially now that I'm working with the champions who I just, you know, I, I love all of you guys, but um, so even being here, hi, imposter syndrome, dealing with it right now. Um, but I have found over the past couple of years that surrounding yourself with people that you respect and admire helps because once those people start looking to you as an expert in something, you kind of, it's easier to adopt that expert mentality and kind of start shedding that imposter syndrome. Not that it doesn't flare up, but it gets easier to deal with. So that's, that's my best advice. And in case you guys are wondering, you guys are the ones I respect and admire. Oh, well, well, ho- hopefully so to our listeners. That's why we got chosen for this, this episode. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, so hopefully to our listeners, you, you've heard some wonderful things and, and uh, maybe you can have some good takeaways on becoming an expert. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess with that, we'll wrap up. Um, weekly reminder, do not forget to subscribe or follow uh, Cisco Champion Radio so that you receive alerts on our latest releases. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. See you next week.